You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, daily conversations with Christian entrepreneurs to inspire and empower Christian business owners to walk strongly in their faith while build a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is episode 237, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry with a podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. My guest today says the life, safety, and well-being of people are not collateral, they are sacred. And joining me on today's show is Ramzina Lee. Ramzina, she's an author and she's also a change agent. She's written a creative non-fiction book narrating the story of some of the workers and families whose lives were tragically changed as a result of an explosion at the Esso gas plant in Longford, Victoria on 25th of September 1998. Now she aims to give a voice to the voiceless entangled in a system that's focused predominantly on the legal outcomes of such events and her book launch is on the 20th commemoration in Sale, Victoria. Now on today's show Ramzina is going to share, raise awareness of issues affecting the life, the safety and well-being of people at work and how you can better protect yourself as well as others of course. She's also going to share, understand that each person's life matters. Ramzina started the My Life Matters movement to enhance a positive self-perception in people. And she also wants to remind us that our lives is not just about us. So it's about contributing and her life is about contributing in any way that she can, in the way that she is gifted, so that the lives and quality of life of others is enhanced. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne-Marie. So take us back. We've got many listeners and viewers from all over the world. And so this, uh, we mentioned already in the interview uh, introduction that there was a major accident, obviously, in a gas plant uh, back in 2000, oh, 2000, 1998. And so over the years, have you um, remained in contact with these people, kind of interviewed them? What was the process that you now, of course, are raising awareness and being the voice for the, for the voices? So take us back to that time. Thank you. So on the 25th of September 1998, this explosion occurred at the SO Longford plant. And uh, the gas supply for all of Victoria and parts of southern New South Wales was... Uh, cut off mm. by order of the governor and a royal commission was established again by the Victorian governor um, to establish the reasons for the explosion and determine ways in which it, it, you know it couldn't happen again that would be preventable mm -hmm. and of course there was a lot of interest from the commercial aspect of what happened because a lot of businesses lost lots and lots of money mm -hmm. because they absolutely could not use gas for doing any part of their, conducting any part of their business. Um, at the same time, all households lost gas to cooking, to washing, to showering, to everyday living, and the majority of Victorians, mm -hmm. uh, Victorian households actually run on gas. And of course, there was the impact on the employees. Two mm. employees were killed uh, because of the explosion, mm. and many others were um, physically 
injured, but also mentally and emotionally. And because of the legal cases around this situation, we um, couldn't get in touch, well, I couldn't get in touch with the workers. Um, and it was a passion for me. Mm. And I really wanted, I don't know why, but I just wanted to reach out because when I heard about the news, it was probably one of the most uh, impactful news that I've heard. Mm -hmm. And I have a real passion for life and I have a passion for other people's life and safety. And so 12 months later, we were able to make contact with the employees or some of the employees through the Australian Workers Union, which was the union that was defending the workers at the yes. World Commission. Hmm, amazing. And I'm just thinking as you're sharing that, uh, I mean, I, I was living here in, in Australia at that time. I'm originally from New Zealand. I recall that there were restrictions, I think, and a lot of places like even the Crown in the CBD was not not allowed to use. There's a, a, a massive um, funnel, I think you call it, or a chimney that every evening at certain times they have gas. Now, that had to be shut down. We had to completely change the way in which um, yeah we were heating water because as you say it was it was gas so absolutely it really impacted obviously not in, in nearly the devastation when you think that people lost their lives and I think often you know as as individuals but also as business owners um, Christian business owners we do need to stand up don't we for the rights of others and and fairness and so forth so let's talk about raising awareness of issues Sometimes it can be a little bit scary speaking up against something or out against something because you are going to get a lot of criticism from those people who want you to keep really, really quiet. So so is that something that's always been in you, Amzina? You've always wanted to speak out for those who were unable to, to speak out for themselves. Definitely. Um, Anne-Marie, my background is, uh, my family's background is from... Um, New Australians. Yes. Um, we migrated in 1971, but at the same time, you know, the memory of those sorts of situations tends to stay with people. Um, and we come from a country where workers don't have any rights. Mm -hmm. And so I had grown up uh, in, I guess, in a family that always heard about the injustices, you know. Um, and I, I guess as a Christian, I always mm -hmm. felt the need to speak up. I think justice is something that is ingrained in our DNA. And so, yes, it's always been a passion to speak up. I think appropriately speak up, respectfully, mm. um, you know, respecting the system, respecting the processes, but speak up nonetheless. Mm. And so I'm always driven to make sure that my approach is measured. But it's at the same time, I think, you know, there comes a time when perhaps you might be the only speaker. Mm. And it's important to be the only speaker. So this project. Uh, in writing, in researching and writing my book was basically something my husband and I committed to and we knew there would be lots of financial commitments. It's mm -hmm. a self-published book. Um, every part of the research we paid for, including, you know, um, <laughs> literally printing, mm -hmm. although, you know, we're trying to be environmental, but printing a lot of the um, the hearings and the and the transcripts of the Longford Royal Commission. Mm -hmm. It was a very technical book and I have no background whatsoever in gas or oil and so I had to learn a lot of the information that I was trying to um, simplify and put in everyday language. Mm -hmm. um, so to answer your question, yes, 
we're very committed in speaking up where it's appropriate and where we feel called to speak up. Yes. What I love about how you've reminded us in, in how we do that, our approach, and that is to be respectful because I think, you know, sometimes you do hear people, whether they're Christians or not Christians, speaking out, but in their approach, they're actually, you know, alienating people. So what would you say then are some of the greatest learnings that you have had over the time that you have been doing this incredible research and now about to uh, not only publish but launch the book soon in raising awareness of these issues that, as you say, affect life, safety and well-being of others at work and how we can better protect ourselves and, and others as well. What are the greatest insights that you've learned, whether it be about yourself, whether it be about how you go about doing that? What are some things that you want to share for others who maybe feel called to speak up and out on behalf of others who don't necessarily have a voice? Um, the first thing I would encourage people is to ask yourself why. It's a, sometimes these processes can be um, quite daunting mm -hmm. and they can be quite tiring and there were times that I wanted to give up. Um, even as far as six or seven weeks ago, I had just had enough. It's a very emotional and very traumatic story and if you have any sense of justice or empathy or love of people, which mm -hmm. I do, mm -hmm. um, it, it can actually... Uh, have its personal toll yeah. and so first of all you need to know why you're doing what you're doing mm -hmm. because if it's not something that you're driven to do you will give up easily there yes. will be challenges there will always be the waves I always called I called this project you know Bondi Beach on a really bad day because it just you know just felt like wave after wave right. yeah. um, that's the first thing the second thing is to understand what you are talking about so that to establish your credibility and so my credibility comes from understanding the legislation having practiced within the area as a human resources director and practitioner mm. for many years mm. in addition to that is to always always start with the foundation of respect and dignity yeah for the people you're talking about for the people you're speaking with even if you, they are seen to be quote unquote the opponents mm -hmm. And so I think if you have those three or four key uh, building blocks, yeah. you're bound to succeed, sometimes slowly, sometimes frustratingly, but succeed mm. nonetheless. Yeah, love all of those. I wonder, Ramzina, are there some favourite go-to Bible verses that in that moment when you are feeling the weight upon your shoulders that reminds you that you're not alone? Are there any Bible verses that come to mind? Um. Yes, there are a number of them that come to mind. Psalm 21, of course, yeah. I think for everyone. Um, but also for me, it, was, it wasn't so much the Bible verses. It was that, is it a calling or isn't it? Mm. Is it my calling or isn't it? Is, is, am I called to speak up with truth and justice? Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised uh, in, a, in a convent school and, you know, whatever the churches got wrong, I think the one thing that, that they got right is to say we're not here alone, that when we can we need to, you know, reach out to others mm -hmm. and when we can't we need to hold hold them up in prayer. Yeah. And so for me it was it was all of those things. Mm -hmm. It was reaching out to people who hadn't been able to speak for twenty years. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I, I, I interviewed them in 1999 and then I interviewed them again earlier this year because obviously this sort of a story needs to say, well, where are they now? Yes. 
And, you know, they, they're, they're as traumatised, if not more, than what they were before. And, in fact, one of them wrote to me and said, you are tapping into our very fragile lives. You know that what you do mm. may make them worse. Mm. And that night I went to bed going, "Who? why am I doing this? the impact of my work is going to make their already fragile lives worse, mm. then I'm not doing what I think I'm called to do. And I, and I did cry mm. and I said to my husband, I don't think I'm going to do the project. If this woman feels this way, I am not going to do this project. Maybe I had heard the wrong call. Mm. And the next morning she sent me a text message saying, you know what, I haven't spoken for 20 years. I'm going to speak now. And I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that. Yes. It was a very, very trying time. And it was yeah. really trying for, I think, just for me to question, why am I doing this? I was sure it was for their voice, mm. but I thought, is it? any other reason is it self-motivated at all mm -hmm. I love that you've shared that and uh, you know the transparency around that and the fact that you did step up because so often we will look at situations and be significantly moved emotionally and want to say something yet we look at the task at hand and think well number one I don't have the abilities or you know it's just too hum humongous someone else will do that yet I love the way that you reminded us yes but is this my call? Is this the book that I need to write? Because it's been gift, you know, given to me to to take hold of. And I love the way that you've said that, you know, understand that each person's life matters. And you started the My Life Matters movement. And that of course is to help uh, enhance a positive self-perfection perception in people. Share a little bit more around this because I think, you know, so often we can miss where we are called and yet, uh, you know, there's little seeds or there's little evidences around, yet we miss that. So, I mean, obviously we've said that you always felt a, a need to step up and, and step out and speak out for others and help them to do that. Um, so share a little bit more about the life, you know, My Life Matters movement. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that occurred to me, a couple of things occurred during these last probably three months, very, very intense three months, one of the things that occurred to me in writing the book was that uh, one of the things we haven't discussed, sorry, Anne-Marie, is that during the Longford Royal Commission, the workers were blamed for the explosion by ESO. Oh, okay. And so that sort of doubled their trauma. Mm. That doubled their, you know, fear and wondering, well, did I do anything wrong that killed two of my workmates? And, of course, the Royal Commission exonerated the workers and they said they did nothing wrong, they did everything they were trained to do. Mm. And I asked myself, what makes people do something like this? You mm. know, what, what would it take? And I wondered, and I don't know the answer to this, but I wondered if there is a different value on life for some people. Mm. So your life is better, more, more valuable than mine because you're on a higher salary or mm. you're a more senior person in an I don't know. So that was the first thing. That was sort of the backdrop. Mm. But in between all of this, I had very unfortunate experience in that a former colleague of mine committed suicide mm. and six weeks later one of my daughter's friends 18 year old committed suicide and so I started asking it sort of all fell into place into their life mattered mm. the workers lives mattered my friends lives mattered the 18 year olds life mattered what made them think 
it didn't. Mm. And the one thing that I always feel when people, you know, die at an age perhaps that we, we believe should have been a later age, mm. how has the world lessened? How has it depreciated? Because that one life that God had put here for a reason mm. is no longer there. And so I'm not going to turn around mental health with one initiative. What I am wanting to do is to help people to start to understand and believe. My life matters. Your mm. life matters. Every single person's life matters. Now, on top of that, there will be mental health issues. There will be people who need additional support. There will be people who need medication. We, we, we accept that. Yeah. But I think at the foundation of every human spirit needs to be the message that mm -hmm. my life matters. Yeah. And I will treat others as their life matters as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, really uh, just how wonderful it is that you've started uh, the My Life Matters uh, movement. And, of course, before we end the show, we'll share with everyone how they can join that and, of course, find out more and connect with you as, as well. And I think that's so true. How often uh, do people, and we don't even know that, so it's so important for us to reach out, speak to people and just let them know that they matter whatever whatever it is that they're doing because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in you as well we all know we're all created in God's image just some people don't realize that yet and let's hope that they um, you know perhaps watching this or someone shares that with them every single person has been created in God's image and is loved beyond um, a love that we just we're only experiencing on a small amount here on earth right till we get to heaven then we'll really experience yes. the full extent of, of God's love it would crush us now um, but I, I think that's so sad when people don't realize that and it doesn't matter what where your beginnings was you know your identity is not how you came into this world nor is it really the experiences that you have and I love as Christians we're reminded in the Bible that we our identity is solely on who God says we are and we are all children yes. of God we are saved we are loved we are for forgiven and I think as Christians we have um, well, I was going to say a duty. Well, we do. We're commanded. We need to go out and be the light, don't we? The light and the salt uh, in the world and sharing that hope and possibility and, and similar stories as you're sharing today is so very important. And I love the way that you also say your life is not just about you. My life's not just about me and the people watching and listening today. Life's not just about you. It's about contributing in any way that you are gifted so the lives and quality of life for others is enhanced. What I'd love you to speak about today, Ramzina, is a little bit around, you know, sometimes we cannot be out there sharing and it can be just as a gift of, you know, saying hello to someone or being the, the ears for someone to share something that's, you know, weighing heavy on their heart. But so often we're not doing that because we don't feel that, you know, what we have to contribute is of value. You know, we self, our self-esteem and our self-confidence is such that doesn't allow us to, to do that. So shit, speak, shit. Speak a little bit into this, share a little bit, because this, I think, can be really insightful for people who are not doing that, yet just being themselves and showing up can be the difference that someone, you know, can make in someone's life. Absolutely. Um, so I have a philosophy of um, not looking to other people and how wonderful they're doing mm. and comparing myself with that, because there will always be people ahead of me and there will always be people beside me or behind me. 
Um, and unfortunately, we don't always look and go, well, I'm better off, you know, for, for speaking up or not speaking up. We tend to say, wow, look at that minister. They've got a mega church and wouldn't it be wonderful to have a mega church? And if we live in that frame of mind, we don't see all the individuals that pass us by day in and day out who don't want to go to a mega church but just mm. need someone to smile and say, are you okay? Mm. Literally, you know. And um, so I try in my own way, I try to be that person who says, are you okay? Uh, can I help you? And I think just assessing what position you have in life actually doesn't matter. If mm. I were a carpenter, and it would have been an honour for me, my father was a carpenter and a cabinet maker, and I would have been able to evangelise in the way that I am. Mm. I think that one thing we, we are on a bit of a back foot at the moment as a, as a Christian faith is that let's quote less. Of course, I live by Bible quotes. There's, mm. there's nothing you know, that I'm taking away from that. I think we need to quote less and act more. Mm -hmm. Eventually somebody says, how come you're like this? And that's the, that's the question that enables us to say, well, my faith and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I question about who, I am, who am I, where am I? At the moment I'm director of HR in an organisation and I live with my motto of I treat everybody with respect and dignity, mm -hmm. whether they were caught stealing whether they were caught bullying, whether they have, you know, not performed properly and we need to now have a very difficult conversation with them. Mm. I cannot guarantee the outcome of the conversations or their jobs even, but I can guarantee they will walk out mm. with dignity and respect, which is what I would want for me. Yes. Yeah. As you're sharing that, there's two Bible stories that um, I, I was actually thinking about this morning, one of them, and then one of, I mean, I, I always say they're one of my favorites, but I think everything <laughs> is my favorite. Well, when it relates to a specific thing, that it's really great. And the first one is, it was about two women. The first one is, you know, when Jesus w went to the well, it was noon. And back in those days, it was the, 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 the warmth time, the hottest time of the day. And here was this woman who was collecting water. And, um, you know, Jesus asked her, so where's your husband? She said, I don't have one. And he said, no, you're right. You've got many husbands. But he didn't say that in a really judgmental way. And often we do, don't we? And sometimes not meaning to, but we certainly, but he really then, um, you know, gave her some words of encouragement. And then she went on to share that, you know, Jesus was the living water with her family and, and so forth. And the second one was when um, they brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery uh, and and he said, well, whoever is without sin, pick up the first stone. And everyone kind of had to put their stones down. And I think that reminds me of, you know, when how we approach people can either allow for an opportunity for healing, restoration, compassion, empathy, because I'm a firm believer that hurt people will often hurt people. And if we take on that, as you said, the quoting and the judgment, that's not going to help them. But if we ask, you know, what's going on here? Um, let's and, and open that possibility for conversation. I think we have the, the ability to be able to help that person 
Um, and yeah, I, I love that that you share that. So, so very important. So share a little bit more, Ramzina. So you, you say that the launch of the book is coming up on the 20th commemoration in, in sale. So share with us, how can people connect with you? What's the best way for them to do that, particularly if they want to support you in, in getting this book launched and so on? What's the best way for them to connect? Thank you, Anne-Marie. So the best way to connect is to go to my website, ramsinalee.com. We are able to take pre-orders for the book. Um, in addition to that, if you're in Victoria, either visiting or you're living there, um, sale is a bit of a way out of Melbourne. Mm. However, we have a second launch in Melbourne on the same day. So the 25th of September at 12 o'clock, which is when the accident happened, mm. um, in commemoration of the people who lost their lives and the people who are living with the trauma um, of the situation, we are holding the primary launch mm. um, in sale. Yeah. And six hours later, we're going to the Victorian Trades Hall in Melbourne and there we'll have a second launch and we'll have a number of speakers, including families of uh, family members of the deceased people who were on the shift on the day and who were blamed for the accident, their families, and a couple of the people who were active in defending the employees at the time. Mm. I'm not really sure if people know this, but uh, in 1998, Bill Shorten, who is our current, obviously, leader of the opposition, was the head of the Victorian branch of the Australian Workers' Union. Mm -hmm. And he'd only been elected into that role 10 weeks before the explosion and he led the protection and the defense not personally as a lawyer because obviously he's a qualified lawyer but he actually you know showed the leadership that was required mm -hmm. in supporting the employees and so we'll have a couple of previous union uh, uh, officials and current union officials to speak for the workers and and some of the issues that you know we touch on in the book. Yeah, and uh, and one of the things that I do for all of my guests, and I'll certainly do that for you too, Ranzine, is just end the show with a word of prayer. But I think you know sometimes when any event happens such as this, a traumatic event where people's lives are lost, and unfortunately it's human behaviour, isn't it, to play the blame game? But that doesn't help anyone at all, especially the families um, who who are you know burying. And, and saying goodbye to people that uh, they they loved and people who were involved in that thinking, you know, did this come because of something that we did or, or didn't do? And that doesn't really help anyone. But I think sometimes getting around these people, supporting them um, can be what, you know, just a small part in, in helping them to heal that. Because ultimately, as you said, what, what matters at the, the end of the day is that people can continue on and uh, not be, you know, not be uh, always looking back to, to this and, and just having this really keep them stuck, certainly. Um, so thank you so much for spearheading this and taking that bold, courageous step and stepping up for for them. I know, as you said, there's been a lot of heartache and a lot of struggles <laughs> and everything, and, and I'm sure for the people who have gone through that as, as well. And so... Um, Thank you for, for being that voice for them. May we end the show? Can I say a word of prayer for you as you move forward? That would be wonderful. Yes, All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak with Ramzina today and just hear her, be able to share her story and what she's been doing um, in, in creating of this book. Father, we just want to uphold 
her and her family and her husband as um, they're nearing the launch date of uh, the book. Father, will you continue to give insights and support? Father, we also want to extend um, your blessings and your support and peace and comfort around the families who are going to be um, yeah, coming up to this date, which I'm sure is a very painful uh, date for many. So Father, we just want to pray for them. We want to hold them in your prayer, in our prayers. Um, will you continue to be that peace and comfort, particularly for those who may not know uh, you yet. Father, we ask that uh, the Holy Spirit opens their hearts and their, um, their, their, their eyes and their ears that they will find comfort. Uh, in, in you. Father, we just want to uphold her, her business and the work that she does. Lord, sometimes for people who are listening and watching today, that they may have been feel fulfilled a calling to be that voice for someone else who may not be able to speak. Father, we just want to ask that you will uh, encourage them that yes, maybe that is their calling too. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And again, we just want to uphold Ranzina uh, in our prayers for the upcoming date of the book launch. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ramzina. I know this interview has been uh, a long time coming and yay, we were able to do that. But I tell you what, it's all in his t good timing and uh, isn't it wonderful that we're now actually in September. So it's certainly just a, a number of weeks away. So uh, that's certainly uh, on the countdown. So people, if you are listening or watching today, please go and support if you can. If you're either down there in Sale or down in Melbourne, I'm sure uh, Ramzina would certainly welcome your support as well. So once again, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Emily. You've been listening to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.